Lord Jesus. We've already celebrated these kids coming and, as John had said, hiding your word in their heart. Uh, Lord, may we as adults do the same. Um, it's easy to applaud kids for it and forget about it ourselves. Uh, but wait, may we as adults live out the things that we wish for our children. May they see it first modeled in us. Uh, Lord, modeled in those that, that lead and uh, that come alongside, but may they see it in us first. So come and move as only you can this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we started a series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to spend the summer looking at Jesus' most famous teaching. Uh, but last week, we started at the beginning in something called the Beatitudes. Uh, it's a word like most of us have heard that before if you've been in church, but discovered last week, uh, most of us, myself included, didn't know what that word actually meant. It just meant this section of scripture, and so we kind of learned what Beatitudes means. Does anybody remember the Beatitudes, what it means? The blessed R's. Okay, it's from like old Latin and whatever. The Beatitudes are the blessed R's. Before Jesus got into teaching about what his kingdom was like, he started by going, here's what the people of the kingdom are like. Here's the kind of people the king wishes to produce through his kingdom. And so last week, we looked at the first three Beatitudes, and I'm just going to touch on those really quickly. It was blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek. Let me, let's look at them in context here real quick. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. He goes on to say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And so we started just kind of walking through those last week. And as we looked at those first three, as we were talking and discussing, like if you're newer here, you'll see a question on the screen later. I'm actually asking and want feedback. And as we were doing that last week, Heidi actually brought up that the Beatitudes kind of build on each other. The, the way that Jesus presents these Beatitudes, these blessed R's, is as we begin to understand the first one, it unlocks the door to the second one. And as we begin to walk in the second one, the third one becomes available. And so these kind of build on each other. We can't just jump into the middle, start with hungering and thirsting for righteousness. It doesn't work that way. It starts with first understanding, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I'm just going to touch on these really quickly so we can move through. But in case you weren't here, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who recognize their own spiritual poverty. Where this starts, where this walking with Jesus in the kingdom starts is going, God, I have nothing to offer you. I don't get to come and go, look at all the awesome things I do. You're better now that I'm here, Jesus. But walking with him starts with understanding, I am completely poor. I have nothing to bring to the table, but you invite me anyway. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. When we come to Jesus, not out of our strength, and look at me, Jesus, I have it all together, aren't you proud of me? But when we come in our brokenness, when we come to him in our weakness, we find blessing and comfort. 
Not when we come to Jesus with our chest puffed out and our list of all the things we accomplished, but when we come to him with that like snotty-faced, ugly crying that we do that we hope no one ever sees. He's like, when you come to me with that level of brokenness, you will find blessing and you will find comfort. And blessed are the meek, or some translations say, blessed are the gentle. Those who have power, but don't use it on their own behalf. Those who don't use power to get what they want, but instead, meekness means power under control. Those who use the power God has given them for others' benefit, like Jesus did. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And then it goes on to talk about these next few Beatitudes that when I looked at the calendar and I saw where our Alliance Kids ceremony fell, I was actually really pleased because these next four that we're going to look at today really capture why we do our kids' ministry. And, and that's everything from children's church on a Sunday morning and nursery to Alliance Kids youth group. Why do we spend time, money, energy, resources on these ministries because of these beatitudes. Let's start to look at them one by one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let me ask this question. What does righteousness actually mean? Some of these things, we use these words a lot, but like, do we really understand them? What does righteousness mean? Okay, justice, goodness. Okay, righteousness meaning like a right relationship with God and a right relationship with each other, okay? What does righteousness mean? It shouldn't be this hard to describe the word, right, or to define the word. We use it all the time. It's everywhere in scripture. But what does it like actually mean? So there's, th there's this perfect goal that we have in mind that we're aiming for. She said like that true north, this righteousness is something that we're being called to, okay? Anybody else? What does righteousness actually mean or actually look like? You can kind of, we can talk around it. You can describe it. Christ-likeness, Christ okay? That's fair, kind of back to that justice that you talked about. It's the opposite of like deceitful or crooked. It's righteous. A, a very simple kind of working definition that I have for righteousness. You ready? This is super deep. Doing what's right. Wait, can it be that simple? To be righteous, to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to hunger and thirst for what is right. But here's the, here's the little hook. Who decides what's right? This is the old Sunday school answer. You know what I mean? If it has a tail, swings from a tree, eats a banana, who is it? It's Jesus, because we're in church. Who decides what is right? Our Heavenly Father does. So righteousness isn't just doing what's right in my own eyes. There's a saying that's very popular right now, my own truth kind of idea. There, there's a place for that. 
But when it comes to righteousness, it's doing what's right as God defines what's right. And God says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst to do the things that I have given them to do. To live rightly before me. When it comes to, okay, is it his way or is it my way? This is what his word says, but you know what? I don't like that. Who wins? He does. He is right. He decides right. He decides what is truth and what is false. And if there's something in me that goes, oh, I don't like it. I wish it didn't say that. He is right. And to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to hunger and thirst for seeing what he wants done, done. Doing what our Father in heaven says is right. God blesses those that deeply desire to do what he's called us to do, to live in the way, listen, that we were created to live. In the stuff we were talking about with with justice and, and rightness and perfection, we were created to live in those things. We messed them up through sin. And now comes the walking with him back towards it. Lord, you decide what's right. Help me to walk in it. And there's this, the way that that Jesus puts it, he says, just like you hunger and thirst for food, hunger and thirst for righteousness, what happens if we don't eat or drink? We die. We wither away and we die. And he says, blessed are those who treat righteousness in the same way. God, I want what you want like I want food. If I don't see your kingdom come and your will be done, it's like I'm dying inside. I hunger for it. I thirst for it like I hunger for breakfast in the morning or a drink when I'm mowing the lawn. Like I I need it. There's almost that panic without it. Do we hunger and thirst for his righteousness in the same way? And Jesus, in the way that he shares this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. There's kind of an oxymoron that happens here. He says, as you hunger and thirst, you're going to be filled. Or some of your translations may say satisfied. And that's the end of it, right? When you eat a full meal, you push away from the table and you're done with food, right? For like an hour. And then the hunger comes back. And with Jesus, he's saying it's the same thing. There's going to be this perpetual hunger and thirst. I need more, God. I want to see your will done more. I want to be even more the man or the woman that you created me to be. But at the same time, I'm fully satisfied in who you are. But that makes me hungry and thirsty for more. And it's this this beautiful cycle. The more I hunger and thirst, the more he satisfies me. And the more he satisfies me, the more I hunger and thirst for more. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And let's ask this question. What does mercy mean? Grace? Grace? Shout it out. Not getting a punishment you do deserve. Okay. Do we have a, do you have something different? Cutting some slack. Cutting some slack. <laughs> so here's the definition that I wrote down. Not receiving the punishment that you have rightly earned. So way to go, tea and tears. I, we didn't even have that conversation. I had no idea. 
But blessed are the merciful, those who don't punish others, even when they rightly deserve it, for they will be shown mercy. There, there's this idea of it's, uh, being released from a debt that you owe. And listen, you earned the debt. It, this wasn't something where it was some like record-keeping error and now the bank is going, hey, where's our money? Like you actually owe this debt, but you're cut some slack. You're, you're released from that debt. We're going to come back to this idea in a couple weeks and really dig down on it more. But God blesses us with mercy as we're merciful to others. But listen, we have to catch this. And again, we're going to really dig down in a few weeks. If we withhold mercy from others, and this is a scary part of the gospel that we don't love, God withholds mercy from us. We can't receive God's mercy and go, thank you, it's awesome, I'm so grateful, and then not be the kind of people that turn and pour it out on others. Jesus has a whole parable about it, and it doesn't end well for that person. His mercy poured out on us causes us to be merciful to others, which causes more mercy to be poured out on us, which causes what, church? More mercy to be poured out on others. And round and round this thing goes. We are a people of mercy. We've received mercy from the king. And if that doesn't result in us being merciful towards others, Listen, here's the hard question. Have we really received mercy? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those who focus purely on him, for they will see him. God, the creator of all things, listen, will not put up with a crowd. God will not suffer other gods before us, other things or people on the same level as him. It's not how it was meant to be, but instead he calls us to a pure heart, that he is number one. He he is, is the thing that we are seeking, even if everything else falls away, God, as long as I have you. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. He plays second fiddle to no one. Back in the Ten Commandments in in the book of Exodus, most of us are familiar with these, the very first commandment that God gave. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Now there's two ways to take that before me. One is in order. I got to be number one, which is true but there's a more holistic way to look at it. There should be no other gods on the landscape. Like there should be no other gods like in front of me, in my presence. I'm it. Do we seek after him with a pure heart? God, even if everything else falls away, you're it. Because if we only understood the promise that comes with it, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Listen, Some of us are wondering, how come I don't hear from God? How come I don't see God moving? How come I don't? Are we pure in heart? Is he the thing that we seek first and foremost? Because his promise is true. When we are pure in heart, we will see him. So if we don't see him, that should cost us to step back and go, Lord, are there there any idols in the camp? What's competing 
with you. And Lord, how do we deal with that? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In a few weeks, we're going to look at Jesus' teaching and when he talks about the kingdom of God. And he says, this very famous verse, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. You guys know that verse? You've heard it before? It's that same thing. Be pure in heart. Seek first the kingdom of God before anything else. Author Richard Foster in his book Celebration of Discipline says this, the person who does not seek the kingdom first does not seek it at all. There is no seeking the kingdom of God along with some other stuff because it's not a kingdom at that point. He who doesn't seek the kingdom first doesn't seek the kingdom at all. You hear the purity in that. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Are you tracking church? The last one, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's look at the blessing here. What does it mean to be a child of God? What does it offer us? What does it look like? What, what does it mean to be called a child of God? Co-heirs with Christ. Everything that is due to Jesus is due to his other brothers and sisters as well. We, we, we get the same inheritance as Jesus. If we could grab a hold of that one, I wouldn't need to say anything else. Let me just start there. Okay, receiving grace and mercy and even then turning and offering it to others, living the same way our big brother does. Okay, kind of look like our dad a little bit maybe. I think you might have softened that one a little bit too much, yeah. Children look like their parents, both physical attributes, but in the way that they act. Children look like their parents. What does it mean to be a child of God? Okay. Protection. Listen, whatever the world can throw at us, we have an enemy of our souls. Whatever he can throw at us, who's bigger? My dad. There is protection that comes. Now listen, does that mean nothing bad is going to happen to you? Of course not, right? But that no matter what comes my way, my heavenly father is with me through all of it. He adopted me. I'm, I'm, I'm one of his. I'm part of his family. And he doesn't leave anyone behind. What else? What does it mean to be a child of God? We belong. We have a place where we belong. Listen, not only in heaven, here's what it should look like, and this is a message for another day. We belong here with each other. There should be a deep sense of belonging because we have the most important thing in common. What could separate us? We belong to one another. We belong with one another. Anything else? This is everything. Like this is this is the point of all of it. Children of God. Like we heaven one day. Guess what? The reason heaven is going to be so amazing one day is because we'll fully understand what it is to be a part of a family. 
and we will have our Father here with us. And we will understand what it is to be brothers and sisters. Like, this is the whole kit and caboodle. Understanding what it is to be a child of God and to walk in it. But Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. As I was thinking through this, what, what Tim had said came out to me. When you, when you look at Jesus and you would have asked him, what does it mean to be a child of God? Actually, over in John chapter 5, he speaks on it. He, he's taken a lot of guff from the Pharisees. who He's healed someone on, on, on a Saturday. Can you believe it? That was supposed to be a day off, and Jesus said, stretch out your arm and be healed. And they were indignant at him. And it says this, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried to kill him, or they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus, what does it mean to be a child of God? And he would say, here's what it means to have God as your heavenly father. You see what he is doing and you do the same thing. You, you live out the same thing the father is living out. You look like the father. And so what is the father doing? He's bringing peace. Jesus saw in his father love for his enemies, those that didn't deserve it. We talked about mercy. We, we deserve punishment. But yet God so desired to bring us peace that he worked out this entire plan where his, his son Jesus would take the penalty for us. And now he says, in the same way, if you are children of God, go and bring peace. We are to be peacemakers because our heavenly father is a peacemaker. Listen, it feels good sometimes to, to do the opposite of peacemaking. Instead, to sit around and gossip and to sow some dissension. And did you hear and can you believe? Let me tell you this one. There's something really wicked inside where it feels good. But instead, we are called to be the people who step in and go, look, this is dividing. Let's come together instead. Let's bring peace. Because listen, when I didn't deserve it, my father brought me peace. And now I'm called to be on mission with him and bringing peace to those that need it. The peace of the kingdom, you don't have to worry anymore about what happens when you die, about purpose. About God is offering you something amazing and it will bring peace to your soul. Peace in the midst of turmoil with each other. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. We've been called to pass on to others the peace that we have received. This is what it is to live in the world as a child of God. Be peacemakers like your father and you will prove yourselves to be his children. So back to where we started. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. So why do we do Alliance Kids each year? Why do we stand up here come July and August and beg for volunteers, please come help us with this ministry? 
Why do we spend time, energy, resources to run this program? Because we desire to see our children, your children, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. We desire to see our children growing in mercy and in purity and becoming peacemakers like their Father in heaven. We do Alliance Kids each year because we desire to see our children blessed and transformed. Remember, Beatitudes, the blessed ours. We desire to see these children, every one of them that stepped on the stage, be blessed by their heavenly Father as they are transformed and become more like him, growing into the men and women that they were created, designed, handcrafted to be. So would you join me in just praying a blessing over these children? I'm going to invite the music team to come, and then we'll, we'll close with a song. Every kid that's still in here, if, if you're a part of Alliance Kids, if you stood up and, and came up and received a, an award or something today, would you stand now as we pray for you? You can stay right where you are, but just, just stand. Lord Jesus, we bless these children. I think of a number of times, Lord, in the Gospels where you called children to yourself, where you sat them on your knee, you placed a hand on them, you blessed them, and the world didn't understand. They were like, it's a waste of your time and energy, Jesus. Focus on the important things, and you said, this is the work of the kingdom, to bless the little ones. Let them come to me. Lord Jesus, may these children, may they grow in their hunger and their thirst for the things of you. May they grow in mercy, Lord, understanding the mercy you're giving them and their ability to be merciful in purity. Lord, may they become peacemakers at their schools, in their homes, at their neighborhoods. May they, may they become those that other kids look to because they see the peace that they have, Lord. And it's the peace of their Father in heaven. Would you make these now young kids, Lord, into the men and the women? that you have created them to be. You say in Ephesians 2 that they are your masterpiece, Lord, handcrafted by you. May they sense your call on their lives. Lord, may they experience transformation and redemption. Glorify yourself in these children. And Lord, may we as a church do everything we can to pave the way for them. Would you just break our hearts for the children, Lord, of our church, of our community, May we, like Jesus, make time and space to put them on our knee, to bless them, and to send them out. Come, Lord Jesus, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in these children's lives. In Jesus' name, amen.